You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, you can find the Sports Blog New York Podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, SoundCloud, of course, on sportsblognewyork.com. My name is Peter Kennedy. Like I mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at Pete Kennedy with two Ys. Also, the blog's Twitter at SportBlogNYC. But with all that said, I actually have an announcement about more places you can find this podcast. I am proud and happy to announce a partnership with a new network. Team Left Jab can be found at leftjaballnightboxing.com or leftjaballnight.com. Also on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, at Team Left Jab Boxing. And now I know what you might be saying. There's not a lot of boxing being talked here on the Sports Blog New York podcast, but in fact, that is actually the point. Team Left Jab is interested in adding a New York-based sports show to their network, and thankfully, that's exactly what we talk about here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. So I could not be happier to just try to continue to put this podcast in front of some more ears have some more listeners, some more interaction, meet more of you people out there who are so kind to give me some time in your day to listen to what I and my guests have to say. Thankfully, if you're tuning in right now, you're going to be hearing some great talk about the Yankees' upcoming wildcard match. Hopefully, we get some new listeners in here today because, granted, I'm happy that anybody's listening to this program when we can get new people, new ears who have never heard the show tuned in to to hear it you can't ask for a better moment in time when you have a New York sports franchise entering the playoffs because unfortunately not a lot of our teams are in that position at the moment the Jets and Giants don't look to be on their way the Knicks and Nets though their franchise may be doing some better things overall the playoffs are not in the near future the Mets are the Mets Hockey, don't talk much about that on this podcast, FYI, to some of you new listeners. So it's good to have the Yankees here in the playoffs, something positive to talk about, and no one better to talk about it with than my pal Andrew Kalanya, blogger of the New York Yankees, huge fan of the New York Yankees. He was live and present at last year's wildcard game against the Twins. He will be live and present tonight in the home game against the Oakland A's, and on top of his blog post that he writes for River Ave Blues, which is a Yankees blog you may have heard of, he also wrote a fantastic wild card preview here on sportsblognewyork.com. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Swarles Barkley. That's my man, Andrew Kalanya. And we talk all things Yankees, all things wildcard game. Give a preview on the A's. We talk about the decision to go with Severino, what we can expect from him and the Yankees bullpen. What do we project the lineup to be? Who should you be scared of when we're talking about the A's lineup and their pitching staff? And so much more. The Yankee season as a whole, Aaron Boone. It's me, Pete Kennedy, your host. It's Andrew Kalanya. Check out his piece on sportsblognewyork.com. But Yankees fans, you guys have a very big game ahead of you. And me and Andrew are here to get you ready. All you need to know on the Sports Blog New York podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Peter Kennedy, host of the SBNY podcast. Joining me today 
on this very special wild card preview for your New York Yankees. My pal, Andrew Kalanya, guest-written some uh, great blog posts on River Ave Blues, one of the best Yankee blogs out there. But also, more importantly right now, he wrote a fantastic wild card preview for the Yankees on SportsBlogNewYork.com. Andrew Kalanya, what up, my man? Hey, what's going on? Happy to have you on the podcast. Even more happy because uh, you are one of the people who I trust the most when I talk about Yankees. I mean, luckily, we work in the same office, so we get to chit-chat all year long. So I've really gotten to feel out your Yankees vibe from day one of the season all the way through Seve's rise, through Seve's fall, through now Severino getting announced the starter of the wildcard game. But you're you're right on it with the Yankees. You're there all season long. Uh how excited are you, first off, for this game? And second of all, what was your uh, initial reaction to the Severino news? Uh, excited is, is, a, is an interesting term for how I'm feeling. I mean, knowing that uh, a 100, 100-win season goal coming down to one game, but there's not anybody I'd probably rather be on the mound right now than Luis Severino. I mean, he's been, he's had one of the best first half starts, uh, you know, in recent Yankees history. And I understand that, uh, even though his second half struggles have been there, you know, there's, there's really nobody else that can go out and dominate a game like him. So, you know, I, I think that he, he's definitely the guy that I, that I want going out there. And I was very pleased when the Yankees announced that that was going to be the case today. And, I think a lot of people kind of fell on a crutch of thinking about Masahiro Tanaka being named that starter. Kind of felt comfortable. You've seen him in big games before. He's looked pretty good. But then Jay Happ kind of picked up some steam. But that guy's been a Yankee for a couple months. You know, it's a little weird. Uh, does a small part of you kind of think that it's been Seve all along and all he needed to do was kind of just show it once or twice that he still got some some juice in there? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, his last three starts out there have been, you know, I think he's had like a 2.04 ERA. So, I mean, I think it, he's just had to show that he still has it. And, you know, I, he's always been the guy. He's the guy that they lean on for 190-plus innings two years in a row. So, you know, he's their horse. He's the guy. He's 20, 24, 25 years old. The ace, I think, you know, if, if not him, who, who is it going to be? You know, it's it's got you got to go with the guy despite you know a month or two of struggles. You know, I think that's still pretty much expected in his second full year as a as a major league starter. And now you will be at the game, correct? Yes, I will be. And yeah. Were, were you at the game it's, it's, last year for the wild card? I was. I was. Uh, I I I've never been louder at that stadium ever. And I was at Jeter's uh, last game as well, and it paled in comparison. Uh, to the wild card game, it was crazy. When that uh, listen, you went from zero to one hundred. The second the Twins scored three runs in that first inning, to Didi tying up the game in the bottom of the first, the place was shaking like I've never seen it before. And I'm, I'm really expecting the same crowd to come out tonight and really give the Yankees that home field advantage. And now the interesting thing is there was all this drama about who will be named the starter. It was one of the most talked about. Uh, topics of conversation for the past month or two for the Yankees on Sports Talk Radio, on the blogs, on all the different uh, sports websites. And now that it's announced uh, and the A's have announced that they're going starter by committee, you, you kind of, me and you were talking off air before we started recording, you're kind of expecting Seve to go three or four innings. There's been all this drama about who's going to be the starter. Is it going to matter that much or do you see Seve going three or four tops? No, it really, it honestly really doesn't matter because the first, the Yankees are, the bullpen's built for October. The bullpen is built to get them 
seven, eight, nine innings. Like literally they have guys that all oh, bunch of guys, that high leverage guys, guys, four guys that have, have major closing experience in the majors. Like you, you don't, you, you're not going to air out the start regardless if it was Severino, if it was Tanaka, if it was Hap. These guys, these guys, I will be shocked if they let Severino go get more than nine to twelve outs. If he gets, if he gets through five, it would be, I, I my mouth would be would hit the floor what at this point because it's just, it's just not it's not worth it that to to have Severino put the lineup all, over and over again when you can have Chad Green coming for two. And then Robertson, and then Britton, and then Batanzas, and then Chapman. These are all guys who are not, these aren't just middle relievers. They're middle relievers to the Yankees, but these guys are eighth, ninth inning guys on literally any other team in baseball. So there's no reason to stretch the starter out that much further. And even if Severino's just straight up cruising, like we're talking, you know, one hit ball, handful of strikeouts after four innings, still thinking not going to keep him in too long? I I really don't think so. I I think that uh, the first the first sign of trouble, uh, Boone's going to be going to that bullpen. And listen, they you know Severino gave them one out last year in the wild card game, and the and the Yankees were able to piece together um, you know a victory. And they had lesser guys than they do now, so it's really not uh, the you know it's really not uh, it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not that much cut and dry. People forget about that. People truly forget that Sevy got kind of rocked in the in that game last he, year. He, he and he 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 over, he was overthrowing. He he looked nervous. He looked like he was making his first ever you know playoff start. Like and, and I totally got that. And he rebounded nice in the ALDS and the ALCS. So I don't think this moment's going to overtake him this time. And I I, I have full confidence that he's the guy that uh, that should be going. So you know the the, the Yankees are are in good hands. Now, before we dive deeper into Wednesday night and the projected lineup and Severino and the bullpen, kind of like we just touched on, let's circle all the way back here to the whole season. So 162 is the final record, a fantastic record by all accounts, a division winner, basically every other division, and basically an AL East division winner in any other year. Unfortunately, the Red Sox had this incredible season. They had the division locked up for basically the entire time. Uh, do you feel like you're kind of coming into this playoffs without steam or does it feel like you got a, a head of steam here just because last year, you know, a lot of people were young. Aaron judge was this fantastic story. Was he going to win MVP? We knew he was a lock for rookie of the year. There's all these positive storylines for the Yankees last year, this year, they're a little bit harder to find, especially with all the injuries. So where's the steam for this team right now? Is it positive, negative, indifferent? Where are you at? I think they're definitely positive. I, I, the, they spent the last month of September is get, just concentrating on getting guys healthy. I don't think they had any, you know, I don't think they were uh, confident in, at, in the, to say the least, that they, that they were going to get there. They definitely knew they were going to be in the postseason, you know. And after that four-game sweep up in Fenway, that was, that was the end of the AL East for them. So they, they took care of business, especially in the last uh, week or two against Tampa, which, you know, they have a they – they kind of a, a house of horrors down there in the trop. Um, and then they took two out of three in Fenway. So I think they're feeling pretty good going in and, you know, judges now healthy. They got Chapman back. Uh, you know, they have a, they have a, a scary lineup now that especially that Gardner has been put into that fourth outfield role that you're having 
you know, two former NL MVPs in the lineup, uh, sandwiched between Judge. It's uh, uh, I, I, you can't help but feel uh, confident if you're the Yankees right now. And now that you have the entire regular season to look at, you have all the injuries to look at, and you think about first-year manager Aaron Boone, which I don't, I don't think that gets brought up enough. First-year manager Aaron Boone, I don't know what. Yankees, the Yankees have this weird effect on New York and, and on baseball that everything feels bigger. It makes it like feel longer. It feels like Aaron Boone's been the manager for the Yankees for such a long time, but this is his first year. So now that you have the entire year to look at, the 100 wins, all the injuries, how do you grade Aaron Boone realistically? Because I know there's a lot of uh, differing opinions, mostly negative it seems when you look at Twitter and radio callers. How do you grade Aaron Boone this year? I mean, it's a hundred wins. So I mean, this is if the Red Sox if the Red Sox did not have the their best season in their 117 year history this year, everyone Aaron Boone would have been the AL Manager of the Year landslide, absolute landslide. But I don't I don't know if I can give him a grade at the moment, considering we are not in the postseason. Like the postseason is not wrapped up yet. I think that. He inherited a very, very good team, a team that went out and got John Carl Stanton, a team that went out and got Andrew McCutcheon, a team that went out and got Jay Happ in, uh, in Britain. So they got all these reinforcements, and, they, and they've improved the team vastly from last year, which was a, they, they were a big surprise last year. This year, not so much. So I, I hold off my final grade for Boone until after the postseason. And, it, you know, if they end up not, becoming world series champions why did they not become world series champions i don't think you can i i think for the regular season you got to give them an a it's 100 wins that's a that's a that's a big benchmark and their best record since 2009 when they won 103 wins so i mean you, you gotta you gotta give them credit where credit's due but uh for overall season i i will hold my judgment for Boone until after the postseason that's concluded so no matter how you skin a cat, 100 wins is 100 wins, and I tend to agree. I don't know if a lot of Yankees fans agree with you on that one, but it's hard to disagree with you. I'm, I'm with you there. But I did a podcast about a week or so ago, uh, or two. I, I, yeah, no, it was last week. And I basically pointed out three things that I was kind of keeping an eye on for the rest of the Yankee season, and then moving on to this wild card game, and I was saying, and hopefully beyond, because we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But the three yeah. things that I wanted to keep an eye on are, A, Aaron Boone, and how do his decisions play out? When he pulls Severino in the third or fourth inning, does the first guy he calls on perform? Does If he doesn't perform, does it fall on Boone? If he does, does Boone get the credit? I'm very interested to see how people kind of react to his decisions and obviously how they play out. Second, and you kind of just alluded to it, is this team is very different than last year. I mean, Judge and Didi and Sanchez is now healthy again. Those three are still obviously there, but you got to remember that. And Duhar wasn't here last year. Torres wasn't here last year. And then you mentioned Stanton, McCutcheon, and uh, Jay Happ, who are all huge parts of this team in, in varying ways. So do you think that's a benefit for the Yankees? Or in a way, it makes it more challenging that this team had huge turnover from a team that was in the one game away from the World Series last year? Well, you know, they went into the wild card game with Chase Headley and Starlin Cash, who was their starting second and third baseman. I, I it, it, it's such it's such a uh, it's such a different team than last year as you were alluding to and, and you can't help but feel just just looking up and down that lineup just one through nine there is not their worst hitter 
is Gary Sanchez, and he's going to be batting seventh or eighth in that lineup right now. And he was batting four in the in the play in the the wild card game last year. So it's it's there's it's hard to find a weakness, and 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 especially going back to your point about Severino, when is he going to take him out? When is he going to go and who is he going to bring in if they perform? And it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of a thing. So if you know Severino's cruising through four. Uh, and he goes to the bullpen too early, and they and they don't perform in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. You'd be like, oh, they should have never taken Severino. But if they leave Severino in, and it's a close game, and he's out there in the sixth inning, you know, even though he's given up a hit, like one hit, and he has like 80, 85 pitches, 90 pitches, and he gives up the game-tying home run. They're like, oh, they should have brought in Chad Green or Dylan Batanz or somebody. So it's really, you know, it's... It, it, it's about the the execution of the players at the end of the day, and I think Boone has done a great job as putting his players in the best position to win. You know, he's had some bumps in the road. Um, you know, mostly his obsession with AJ Cole after he took a nose off. He started off great for the Yankees, and then he just kept going to him after he just showed that this guy has has nothing. And he ran out of gas, and he was the guy that the, the Nationals designated for assignment. So. You know, nobody's perfect, but I, I think Boone has done a great job putting guys in the best position to succeed. And I guess that kind of just comes with the territory that almost no matter what you do as a manager to get credit from fans is just difficult. I mean, Girardi came in here year in and year out and had the Yankees on a winning season, on the winning side of 500, and he <laughs> wasn't getting a lot of credit. So basically, it's a good point. If Boone makes the right call, pushes the right buttons. A lot of fans who don't like Boone will just say, hey, the players performed. He didn't do nothing. And if he pushes the wrong button, it'll be all Boone's fault. And there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can probably say on this podcast to change anybody's minds. And, and the crazy thing is, is the same people who were complaining about Girardi. Oh, Girardi's too, he's too stern with the guys. He's too live and die by, you know, every pitcher. is saying, oh, Aaron Boone's too relaxed. You know, he's too, he doesn't have control of the clubhouse and stuff. Like, you can't have it, you know, both ways. People who just like to complain, I guess, like to complain. And I, and I don't want to speak for all Yankee fans because we are a, a spoiled uh, a group of guys. But I don't think people are, you know, some people just don't, are just happy with anything. The, the team could have, uh, you know, one one sixty two and one, and be like, ah, oh, they still lost that one game. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it, it must they're, be they're nice. Tough to tough to please, which <laughs> is uh, it's unfortunate. It must be nice over there. I was having an argument. This is a very random, not very random, a semi-random aside here. I was having a conversation with a Yankee fan friend today, and he, he basically threw at me and a couple other Mets fans about David Wright's stats and now, you know, where glor, glorifying David Wright and his career at the Mets. And he's like, his numbers are identical to Jorge Posada. And he's, he's trying to throw it back in our face. And I basically went back and was like, listen, the Yankees, I don't know if this is true or not, but I said it. Like the Yankees probably have more rings than the Mets have winning seasons. I mean, can't you just let us have David Wright and him be one of the best players in our listen, franchise? Like, he is. He is the. He is. You know, uh, I. I like to think he's a mixture of the Mets equivalent of Derek Jeter and like Don Mattingly. You know, he's he has that. Uh, you know, that allure of being the captain and the leader on the field, but unfortunately, much like Mattingly, he. You know, his career, his Hall of Fame, you know, potential career got cut short because of injuries. And I think that, you know, uh, I wish I could have uh, gone to the game and watched him, 
you know, say his last goodbye. But that's definitely something that Mets fans should definitely take the hat on. Nobody should really take that away from them to begin with. You know, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It, it, David Wright versus Pasai, David Wright versus anybody. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's just let the you know let the guys have the Mets had a rough season. Yeah, enough already. Thank why you. are you gonna kick a Why are you gonna kick a horse when it's down? Like, uh, you know, let's, just leave them. Just leave them be. Let them have. Let them. Let Mets fans have their moment. Thank you, Andrew. And that's I wasn't fishing for that at all. No way was I fishing for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually at the game on Saturday. It was really cool. I mean, the vibe in there was awesome. I hadn't been to many Mets games this year. I'm going to be quite honest, uh, being that they've been quite hard to watch. But luckily enough, I had tickets for this game way ahead of time before the David Wright announcement was made. So I had pretty cheap tickets. Hopefully people didn't break the bank for it. But the, the atmosphere was electric. Just seeing him run on the field, seeing him hug Jose Reyes out by shortstop was really cool. And I think I told you this earlier. Uh, it turned into a love fest for Jose Reyes as well. We really ended up celebrating both of them, even though we kind of hated Reyes all season long because he can't really play anymore. We love no, we love both of them. They're our guys, and I was happy to be there. No, that was that was the you know Jose Reyes not being able to play more. That that's the that's Mets management sending him out there every other day instead of calling up some of the younger guys, especially when the season was was out of hand. But did did they do a Jose 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 chance multiple? Uh, Multiple, actually. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, well, back on to topic here. Not talk about a losing uh, New York baseball team, but talk about a winning team in the New York Yankees. The third thing uh, that I talked about in my podcast last week was kind of overarching, but I, I'm very interested to see how it plays out in the playoffs. So the Yankees obviously broke the record for most home runs in a season. They broke the record for most players on a team with 25-plus home runs. So we know the Yankees have the pop. They can put the ball over the fence. And being that they have a home wild card game, it's super possible that for them to do that uh, a handful of times on uh, tonight. Well, I said tomorrow night. I meant tonight since this podcast is coming out Wednesday. Um, yep. So my question for you is in this whole analytical world of baseball that we live in with uh, the home run or bust mentality, not that it's that cut and dry, but that mindset and you know, not really playing quote-unquote small ball – and playing by the book, taking pitchers out early, and all this stuff. How how do you see that playing in a one game playoff or over the course of a, a, a seven game series versus how it plays over one sixty two? Because from my perspective, it seems that it's proven to work over one sixty two. This uh, this uh these numbers that they crunch, these analytics that they have across all of baseball, in my opinion, are kind of proven to work during one sixty two. But during one game, during one series. Who knows how it's going to play out? And a small ball play can kind of flip a game on its head and, and change the entire tide of the game. So how do you look at the Yankees, a team known for the home run this year? What do you want to see for them in the one-game playoff? Well, I, the, the whole complexity of, of what they do, um, you know, it, it definitely changes because usually what the Yankees like to do is they like to wear out the starting pitcher and, you know, get to the, you know, the underbelly of the, of the middle relievers because they definitely, you know, the teams that they typically face don't have that sort uh, of relief pen that the, that the Yankees do. And I think that, you know, the, 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 the term is the, the short porch giveth the short porch taketh away. So I, I think that you can't really change your approach um, going up. And I don't think the Yankees will, I think, you know, you have plenty of guys in there that, that can hit home runs. I don't think that, uh, the, the hashtag too many homers that Yankees Twitter likes to 
like to talk about is really even the thing, you know, I, I, I don't think guys will change their approach to the plate. I mean, I, you definitely play for one run, and I think that uh, if typically if it's second and third and or first and second, nobody out, that you might see somebody who like an Andujar or a Sanchez or someone in the lower part of the lineup, you know, maybe bunt or something like that to get the runners over. But um, you know, every single guy in that lineup has the ability to put the ball in the bar part. So even then, playing that small ball, um, you know, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, unless there is a desperate situation where you need that one run. But if you, most of the time when, uh, at least how I've, I've watched during the season, you play for one run, that's all you're going to get is that one run. So uh, I don't think the Yankees will or should change their approach at the plate at all. But the, the randomness of the one game wild card really throws in the, you know, a wrench of everything and, and kind of how, uh, Oakland is going to go with the the entire the pen the bullpen game today and not really go with a, a starting pitcher and why I think that uh, Severino will you know will get taken out after only a couple innings because it's a winner take all game so you know you you'll see adjustments in in the play style and how uh, how the in game strategy but I don't think this is a, a gigantically drastic change in in how that how the game is going to get won. Two things I want to unpack there. First thing is talking about guys like Andujar and Sanchez and now thinking of them in a bunting situation. They're two guys who don't practice bunts very often, I assume. And second, they don't bunt in games very often. So it's kind of tough to kind of switch and put yourself in a completely new situation for your team when you don't do it all year. So to ask somebody like Gary Sanchez to bunt when he, who knows when the last time he bunted in a game was could be difficult. Exactly. And then second, um, you mentioned how all year long the Yankees feasted on bullpens and what they wanted to do is get that starter out of there and, and really attack the weaker pitchers in the bullpen. Now the Oakland A's are just throwing bullpen people at your, at, at the Yankees the whole time. Does that seem to be something that can benefit the Yankees? Um, where in other teams it could be bad when a new look really throws them off their game, throws them off balance. But for the Yankees, they're hoping for bullpen pitchers all game. Do you see that as a big positive for the Yanks? Uh, see, the thing with the A's is one of their one of their biggest strengths besides uh, you know their great defensive team is that their their back end guys are pretty good as well. So. You know, you have uh, Trinan, you have Familia, Sean Kelly. You know, those are those are the pre top set of guys. You also have guys like Fernando Rodney, who's fifty seven years old, still <laughs> going out there still. You, uh, Petit Petit, and the, and a couple other guys. So I mean, they they they're not uh, typical middle relief guys as well. I wouldn't say they're in the caliber of the Yankees have, but uh, I don't think that if it's if it's late, I don't know. Uh, you know, you're going to be facing, you know, Familia and Trinan, who, who's been lights out, absolutely lights out for the ace. So it, it, it definitely presents a challenge. But, um, you know, after, you know, the first inning, first, second inning, if there might be a couple other guys out there they could take advantage of. But you definitely don't want to get into that late game bullpen for uh, the A's uh, down a run or two because they, they have some guys that definitely can shut the door on them. Well, if you ask a Mets fan, Familia will probably blow it. Uh, I re- I remember distinctly <laughs> during the 2015 World Series I was on Twitter and uh, someone someone tried to post that uh, Familia is the uh, the Mets Mariano Rivera and then oh, he promptly no. blew, he literally 
10 seconds later blew the game. Uh, I forget which game of the World Series that was where he, he just immediately served up a home run or something. And it was, uh, I, I still have that tweet like favorited and like saved in my inbox because I just go to it every time. Every once in a while just to get a good chuckle. <laughs> yeah. That's also kind of like uh, the first Jets game this season when right before kickoff, Jets fans are tweeting, our new era has begun. Sam Darnold, save your Sam. And then literally one minute later they go, oh, never mind, pick six. <laughs> or, or even after that first game where they're like, oh, man, we we scored 48 points. And, you know, this is this is going to be the offense that uh, finally has us going past the Patriots and winning the uh, – the AFC, AFC East, and then of course, you know they haven't. They've looked anemic on offense. They've, you know, they've uh, they've lost every game since. So it's uh, uh it's it's really you gotta you gotta got put the uh, the cart before the, putting the cart before the horse there. And also, quick aside, in today's segment of what year is it? Matt Holiday just smoked the double down the left field line for the Colorado <laughs> Rockies. How about that? He's still swinging. Oh. Uh, well, I wish he would have done that for the Yankees last year because they were very, they were absolutely desperate at the DH position uh, last year in the playoffs. Like their best op, like Matt Holiday looked toast, absolutely toast for the Yankees last year, and then he uh, coming back for the Rockies this year, just a Cinderella, so uh, Cinderella story, especially back with the uh, the franchise where he started it all with and made it to the World Series with in 2007. Yeah, how about that? And he got the start tonight in the outfield because there ain't no DH. I- Oh my God! It's a, it's a, he's a, he's an absolute statue out there. I don't know, like the if I were the Cubs, I'd just be peppering balls to left field like all night long. I don't, I don't understand. You got to when someone's that bad on defense, you have to like exploit that. You know, uh, I remember when uh, Gary Sanchez or not, not Gary Sanchez, Gary Sheffield was starting at first base for the Yankees in 2006, 2007 when they had Bobby Abreu in right field, and they guys were just hitting it at Sheffield and he just couldn't handle the position. So that that's one of those times where, you know, if I were the Cubs, I'd just be shooting the ball out to the left. Still one of the funniest facts uh of all time is how Gary Sheffield hit his five hundredth home run as a Met. <laughs> I totally I, until you literally just said that now I completely forgot that Gary Sheffield was was a Met. What does he and have? I think he has like five career home runs as a Met or something like that. Like he has not a lot. I'm going to look that up while we keep talking here just because I'm curious now. But he has like a very tiny amount of home runs as Met. But he, number 500. He, did he retire? Did He re- he had to have retired as a Met, right? I'm pretty sure he retired. I, we're now racing to see who can pull up baseball reference quicker. <laughs> uh, well, this is a good time for me to do a quick aside here. Andrew Kalanya, uh, guest writing on River Ave Blues, also wrote a fantastic Wild card preview for the New York Yankees on sportsblognewyork.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at underscore Swarles Barkley. That's at underscore Swarles Barkley. Uh, Andrew Klein is here. Uh, of course, I'm Pete Kennedy on the SBNY podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast app. You know where to find it. If you're listening to us now, it seems like you may have found us already. So thank you so much for listening, and hopefully you guys are ready for an exciting game on Wednesday night. Now, Andrew, I gave you a quick minute there. Did you find Gary Sheffield's stats? I, I I did. He hit ten home runs as a Met. He he ended his career as a Met. He played a hundred games in two thousand nine. Ten home runs, forty three RBIs, OBP three seventy two as a Met. How about that? Four fifty one. He had his 
best best OPS in like four years as a Met. That is great. The last four years of his career, yeah, and you know, he, he still had put them in the tank. But you know, I I get uh, wanting to hang it up at age forty. Yeah, I was just gonna say the ripe age of forty. Say ten dingers. He ended with five oh nine in his career. So yep. I mean, he he just he just wanted to to get there as a Met. I, I can't can't say I blame him. Yeah. Hey man, it's like uh, it was like Barry, sort of Barry Bonds esque. Like the last year of his career, Bonds had like a four forty on base percentage and just like just went on on signed in uh, that off season. Just you know, nobody wanted to touch him, you know, because of steroids and all that. But uh, you know, clearly these guys still had it. You know, at the age of forty, you know, you gotta you gotta give to them. You know, even steroids or no steroids, that longevity is uh, that that's something that you'll rarely see from from guys anymore. Maybe uh maybe David Wright should have tried steroids. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he could still be playing. Uh anyways, let's move on. So as I mentioned, Andrew Kalanya here with me on the SBNY pod, wrote a great preview on sportsblognewyork.com. So Andrew, let's kind of run through that for a bit here. Kind of just want to talk. Obviously, we talked about Severino a little bit and we talked about the bullpen. So let's go to the lineup and the bench, because obviously in a regular season game, the bench doesn't come into play very often obviously there are pinch hitters there are some pinch runners defensive replacements all that but in the american league it's just not super prominent but in a win or go home wild card game you really never know what kind of changes are necessary but you put out your projected lineup because obviously the yankees have not announced it yet so take us through that and there's obviously one bigger decision there that uh, i see you put uh, that I want you to talk about. I think you're going to guess which one that is. So, Andrew, take us through your projected lineup for the Yanks on Wednesday. I, yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's pretty standard. If you look at, uh, you know, I didn't really do anything, you know, too crazy with the projected lineup. I kind of looked at Boone, how he liked to deploy his guys, especially over the last week. And, you know, you have McCutcheon leading off, followed by Judge, and either it's going to be Didi Gregorius or Aaron Hicks. Splitting up the the righties in the three hole, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be since there's going to be a righty on the mound, uh, Hendrick the righty to start the game that they'll start Gregorius uh, in the three hole, followed by Stanton, uh, Voigt, Hicks, and Duhar. And uh, I, I think this is the guy who you want me to talk about is uh, Gary Sanchez will be batting eighth and uh, Gliber Torres will be batting ninth, which I, I actually I really dislike the fact that Boone bats Gliber Torres so low in the lineup, especially, you know, I think he's one of the four best hitters in the Yankees lineup, but I, I do understand sort of the mentality of trying to have a second leadoff hitter. But now, you know, I don't really, you know, you can't really make too much of a gripe with the guys that are in those premium lineup spots right now. So, uh, you know, lineup assignments, really semantics and, uh, you know, but uh, Gary Sanchez being in there is, it, it, is without a question, uh, the correct decision for the Yankees. And they, they definitely come, I believe they've come out and said publicly that Gary Sanchez is going to be their starting catcher uh, in the wild card game. And it, it, there's, there's no reason for it not to be, you know, at this point in the season, you know, when Gary Sanchez came back from his second injury, there was no way he was going to salvage his season. His numbers are what they were, but you have to understand the fact that blocking balls, you know, that's a thing. I understand it's a thing. But he has the throwing arm, he has the bat, you know, and he just provides that upside that you cannot get with Austin Romine in the lineup. It's just, he calls a better game, he's a better pitch framer. Like, these things are important in the playoffs as well 
I know the A's don't steal a whole lot of bases, you know, so kind of Gary's arms a little moot there, but there's just so much more that he brings to the table than Austin Romine. And I, I can't see any scenario outside of injury where Austin Romine starts a game, especially now that Sonny Gray has been regulated to, you know, I guess he's hanging out in New Jersey or something. I, I don't know what he's doing, but he's definitely, he's not on this active roster. And, you know, Romine was uh, Sonny Gray's personal catcher. So there's no way that you will see outside of an emergency or some kind of pinch running uh, shenanigans that, uh, that Austin Romine will be playing uh, meaningful baseball this October. That is a great breakdown. And I honestly couldn't agree more. Gary Sanchez is the guy. And if you want a guy up at the plate, I don't care what the season numbers have been. I don't care if he's not even batting 200. If you want a guy at the dish in a big spot or, hell, with nobody on and two outs in the fourth inning of a game, I want Gary Sanchez up there. I know Austin Romine has been great for you guys as a backup catcher this year. Obviously started a big portion of the season with Sanchez on uh, on uh, the DL. But Sanchez is that guy, and he will continue to be that guy. But, Andrew... That is actually not who I was alluding to in the beginning, and maybe that's because I just didn't realize that this was as obvious as I thought. But I was talking about the lack of Brett Gardner, one of the most tenured Yankees on this team, not being in the lineup. You're totally cool with McCutcheon? Yeah, I I think at this point, you know, Brett Gardner has been a first-half player for the last three, four years now, and he's uh, declined very much in the second half this year to where his OPS is in the 600s. And I think at this point, his career being, you know, 35 years old, that he is more, um, you know, more uh, useful as in a fourth outfielder role. And, and, you know, he is the longest tenured Yankee on this team, uh, you know, and he, I love him to death. I have his bobblehead right behind me uh, in my office here. And, uh, you know, there's, there's nobody I, I like more on this team, but you have to understand that, uh, you know, if you're not going to produce, especially, it's not like they don't have another option. If Brett Gardner, if it was between Brett Gardner and Shane Robinson, the Yankees are starting Shane Robinson, then I'd be like, okay, you know, numbers, regardless, you know, Gardner should be in it. But when you have the former NL MVP playing left field, I mean, you can't, you can't complain about uh, Brett Gardner. And I definitely think that he'll be utilized at some point, especially in the wild card game. Um, if I look at the, if you look at the bench here, um, and especially if you go off of Brett Boone's, uh, not Brett Boone, Aaron Boone's comment uh, from this press conference today that he, he's going to be carrying um, one, two, three, four, five, six guys on the bench, including two catchers. So, um, you know, I definitely think it's for, you know, a reason. So he's going to have Gardner and Tyler Wade in there as pinch running options. You know, if uh, Gary Sanchez needs to be pinch run for in the seventh, eighth inning, you know, you you can bring in Gardner or Wade, and if someone else needs to get pinched. Voight needs to be pinched run for. You have two speed guys there, and then you have that third catcher. You know, if you take out Sanchez for a pinch run, you have you know, God forbid, Austin Romay gets hurt. You don't want a rent. You don't want Luke Voigt or somebody else being the emergency third catcher in there in a winner take all game. So you know, I, I it's it's part of the. Uh, you know, kind of the mentality of a winner take home game. You got to kind of try and imagine crazy scenarios why you would ever need a third catcher uh, on the team. Yeah, I think it's, I think it became obvious. McCutcheon came in, he brought energy, 
He has experience. Like you said, he's a former NL MVP. He is truly no slouch. And I kind of was in the camp that I thought Brett Gardner should be kind of removed from that leadoff role, that really featured role early on in the season. I kind of just, I didn't love what he brought to the table anymore in a production aspect. And he kind of maybe looked silly at certain parts of the season. But like you said, in the second half, kind of proved to be not the guy he once was. And McCutcheon, like I said, he came in and brought energy. I guess I didn't realize that it was such an obvious call. Now, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, McCutcheon's not the MVP that he once was, but he's, he's had like a four, I think it was like a four, some 420 on base percentage as a Yankee. So, I mean, he's, he's the guy you want at the top of the lineup. Uh, you know, he may not bring the, the power. You could definitely still sock one out, but, you know, he's not that power 30-30 guy that he once was. But, you know, being 80% of what McCutcheon was, I think, at age 31 is better than what Brett Gardner is uh, at age 35 right now. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but I, I still think that Brett is going to have a, a role on this team, you know, going forward in the postseason. What 2019 brings, since he's a free agent at the end of the year, uh, who knows? But, uh, you know, I think I'm going to try to enjoy uh, as much as Brett Gardner as I can uh, while I can. Yeah, that's and you know Brian Cashman's a little ruthless with stuff like that. He's making the best call for the team, no matter who you are uh, and where you are in your career. Uh, but moving on, we talked about the bullpen earlier. Obviously, you mentioned the just slew of guys the Yankees have to throw out: Patances, Britton, Green, Roberson, Chapman, uh, even Holder and Lynn. So the, the Yankees bullpen is there. There's not much to be said about all those guys because they are all very solid. I mean, just simply look across that URA. And I'll take out Lance Lynn because he's basically been a starter, and he's kind of just a long guy at this point. But other than yep. Robertson and Holder's just above three, all these other guys here is a below three. Patance has been awesome this year. I know Chapman's been banged up, but he's still around this Chapman, and Britton's been really good. So I don't know if there's too much to say. Before we move on to talk about the Oakland Athletics and who we have to watch out for there, any last notes you want to throw out on this Yankees bullpen? Uh, the bullpen really speaks for itself. They, you know, they got guys, you know, I think they were the one thing they were looking for at the beginning of the year is another reliever that can throw left-handed and they definitely got their guy in Britain, you know, um, he, he he very much balances the bullpen, but even, even to that point, which I was saying at the beginning of the season, that Batanzas, Green, Robertson, those guys can get lefties or righties out. These guys aren't, these, the platoon splits on these guys aren't aren't something that you have to worry about. These I'll take Batanzas versus the best lefty in the league rather than you know whatever loogie they have Chase and Shreve that they had earlier in the season that were going up against lefties. Like it 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 doesn't matter to a certain point. The, the guys that they have are are just excellent uh, and elite uh, at any any uh, measure. So it's it's it's. It's it's what how they it's exactly how they built the team, um, you know how they envisioned it in the off season to, to get to this point, and they they're going to be used, uh, you know, the first sign of trouble going in uh, going into tomorrow night. And you got to feel confident about that Yankees pen. But Andrew, moving on to the Oakland Athletics. Obviously, if you're just a Yankees fan, you're not a huge MLB fan. You probably don't watch many Oakland Athletic games. Let's be honest here. But you hear about a few guys. The ones that stick out to me are obviously Chris Davis and his power. And then Matt Chapman became a pretty big-time 
story throughout this uh, season with his incredible defense. He had a really great uh, stretch of hitting there. So tell, tell us a little bit about Chris Davis and uh, Matt Chapman and then some other guys Yankee fans should be a little bit weary about when they come to the dish. Well, they they have five um, well above average hitters, um, guys that you know kind of can do everything. I know that the, they don't steal a lot of bases, but they make tons of contact. They they were the eight, the Oakland A's are second to the Yankees in uh, in home runs, so uh, they definitely have some pops. So Chapman, like you were like you were saying, he uh, incredible defender. I, I honestly think if they put him on like the left side of the infield, he could man shortstop and third base. Like his range is incredible. His arms incredible. And the guy, you know, he's got a, you know, 137 WRC plus. I don't mean to get too nerdy with the sabermetric stats here, but, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's well above average hitter along with, uh, Jed Lowry, more of a veteran player, Matt Olson, who hit a ton of bombs last year, uh, Steven, Steven uh, Pescati and the aforementioned Chris Davis, who's leading uh, major league, who led major league baseball in home runs uh, this year with 48. And uh, these guys can hit and it, and it's, uh, you know, uh, the Yankee fans, uh, the, the ones that I've talked to like, Oh, it's a wild card game. You know, we took out the twins last year, you know, they're, they're ready to, you know, beat a team in a winner take all game, but these are not the Minnesota twins here. This, this team has, uh, hitters that can hit the ball, the ballpark, and guys that uh, you know that that should give uh, any Yankee pitcher at least some pause, and you know be able to think and get these guys out. Uh, you know, pitching them pretty carefully. Um, I didn't, you know, you kind of don't realize Jed Lowry's a name that you you've known for a while. Obviously, came up uh, was an underwhelming offensive player for a part in his career. But is it safe to say this has been the best of offensive season of his career? Has it been a little bit of a resurgence for Jed Lowry now? Uh, he, he's, he's been up there. I don't think he's been this good, but I definitely think that uh, without looking at his career numbers here, but, you know, a WRC plus of 122, that's got to be up there for career highs. And, you know, I think he's, uh, he fit, he's, he's kind of gotten bounced around a little bit uh, between uh, the Astros and then he's gone back to Oakland you know, once or twice now, and I think he's a, a great fit for that clubhouse, and that definitely brings that veteran presence along these uh, these younger guys uh, that uh, that definitely can rake. Man, and yeah, it's it's so weird to think back to a year ago. The Twins were very different than the A's. Obviously, we were talking about how different the Yankees are as a team with like the five huge pieces of their team and Duhar Torres, Stanton, McCutcheon, Hap being new guys on the Yankees. But also their opponents very different. The A's were one of the hottest teams in baseball at a certain point of the season. They're coming in with some momentum. They kind of shocked people. The Twins were like fledging last year. No, they were like they made the the wild card game, but no yeah. one thought they were scary, right? What what is no. what is outside of New York baseball fan think of the Oakland A's? Uh, I mean, if you're pay, if you've been paying attention, you can see that they they have the talent. Uh, you know, the, their one weakness, what I will say is the starting pitchers, um, you know, the, they've been either hurt or, you know, ineffective during the season. And they got Mike Fires uh, from the Tigers at the trading deadline, and he's been their best starter since coming over. And he's pitched well, uh, just not really outside of Oakland in their huge ballpark that they have. So he's given up 
you know, uh, I'm still a pretty good uh, amount of home runs. And the thinking was going, you know, a couple of days ago, they're thinking that they might have fires start off. But again, you look at that home run per nine and the 32 home runs given up in uh, this season. I don't really think that's the best fit for Yankee Stadium where he's not even uh, actually on the uh, the wild card game roster. But I definitely think if the Oakland A's just so happened to advance, he would be their number one starter uh, going into the ALDS. But that I don't I don't know who they start how who they would start games two through you know two through five and, you know that their starting rotations uh, that much of a mess at the moment so you know they're relying on out hitting these guys and relying on the, that sneaky good back end of the bullpen to uh, to be successful and it's carried them so far I mean you know they were neck and neck with the Yankees uh, to get home field advantage for this wild card game up until the last couple of days of the season so you know. I don't think I don't think there's reason to panic if you're the Yankees. I still think the Yankees is a better team uh, on paper and almost at uh, every position. Um, but uh, I think you have to be cautiously optimistic and not underestimate the uh, the Oakland Athletics. So I guess now we've come to the point where it is prediction time, Andrew. It's yeah. t- it's time for us to put our names on the line and put our predictions out there of what we think will happen Wednesday night. Now, you will physically be there. I will have my ass plopped on a couch somewhere to watch, and I look forward to it greatly. Um, so let's do it. Let's make our predictions. Uh, first things first, I have a question for you, a non-end-of-game prediction. If I told you that one Yankees rookie, Miguel Andujar or Glaber Torres, came up with the big hit, who you putting your money on? Miguel, uh, Miguel, Miguel Andujar. No, no questions asked. The guy uh, is perpet- He has a, a a knack for hitting in the big spots, and the guy's a doubles and extra base base hit machine. The guy, uh, you know, he uh, he makes so much contact, and he's able to to reach down and get balls that that I've seen there. Like, how did he? How did he actually get a hit there? So. Um, it's got, it's got, I love Gliber Torres and, you know, going to the year Torres is my pick for uh, rookie of the year, but uh, Andujar has, uh, has, has consistently wowed me and uh, exceeded my expectations all year. So uh, I got to go with Mickey. I was going to go the same direction there. And it's mostly because in my fantasy baseball league, I picked up Miguel Andujar like off the waiver wire way too late. I couldn't, one day I was just checking out the waiver wire and I see Miguel Andujar. I'm like, what? So I snagged him up, and he was locked in my third base spot for all year, and he was fantastic. I, I mean, I just couldn't believe that he was on the waiver wire. So I'm riding with my guy from my fantasy team, Miguel Andujar, as well. But now for the big prediction, Andrew. How do you see Wednesday night, wild card game, Yankees at home versus the Oakland Athletics? How do you see it playing out, and what do you see as the end result? Uh, it's going to be close. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, again, the Yankees aren't going to push Severino too hard. I think they'll be very quick to go to the bat bullpen, and that bullpen will be able to hold, uh, you know, those uh, sneaky hitters of the Oakland Athletics down. So if I'm if I'm going to give a final score, I'm going to say Yankees four, Oakland Athletics two. Do you believe the Yankees trail at any point in the game? Uh, I I do. I I think that uh, perhaps that they that maybe they go down to one or two zero, and that uh, that Yankee Stadium uh, late inning magic will uh, the the ghost will come over and uh, 
the crowd will get the team energized and for for a comeback win. Now I don't know if you remember my prediction from last year's wild card game or not. Do you remember this? We had just started working together, I believe. Not, I don't, I don't, uh, remind me, please. I said it on the podcast and I tweeted it out. I made sure I had the quote in there on Twitter. And I basically said that Luis Severino was going to give up a home run in the first inning. And then mm. I said he's going to come back and shut the door and be really good and the Yankees are going to come back and win. Now, I wasn't right after that first thing I said. But I was like, oh, Severino's going to give a home run in the first inning. But don't worry, the Yankees are going to come back and win. Which basically happened. And I remember in that moment... Yep. When he gave up the home run in the first inning, I'm like, holy crap. And I looked on Twitter, and a couple friends and listeners to the show are tweeting at me like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, it's happening. And and thankfully, the Yankees came back on top. And my, even though my prediction wasn't perfect, it was a little mm. freaky there. I don't think I have that in me this year because I really don't know what I'm expecting out of Severino. And listening to what you have to say about how long he's going to stay in, it's really tough to say. But I'm actually going to I'm gonna go opposite here. I think the Yankees truly shut the door, and they just make it a little interesting at the end. It's going to be a 4-1, 4-0, 5-1, 5-2 type deal. They're going to make it interesting in that eighth inning, that ninth inning. It's going to get a little close for comfort, but I think the Yankees shut the door and hold on. I'm going to say 5-3. The over-under is 8.5 last I checked. I think it's going to be an under. I think the Yankees win by two runs. But that last inning, bases loaded, two guys on. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a little scary. I don't know why I have that vibe, but the Yankees are gonna—they're giving me that flair for the dramatic vibe coming up. And I think if they win, they're gonna continue to bring the drama. But I believe they win five-three uh, tonight. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a that's a good prediction, if any. I mean, what's a prediction, anyways, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm literally throwing darts at the wall here. Uh, last thing I want to ask you before we say goodbye. If if the Yankees win, we don't want to speak too crazy here. We don't want to guarantee anything. That's not worth it for us, I guess, at this point. But if the Yankees win, they play the Red Sox, correct? Yes, that's correct. From your – since, you know, we're not in the dugout. We're not having an effect on these players. I don't believe in jinxes and superstitions of that nature. So that we're sitting here talking on the Sports Blog New York podcast. If the Yankees beat the uh, Oakland A's, how do you think they're going to fare up against the Red Sox? Well, the Red Sox, you know, they're, there's a reason why they won, you know, 107 games or however much they won. The, the, you know, they, they have the talent there. But I think the Red Sox are very top-heavy you know, uh, once you get past Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, uh, Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez in that lineup, it definitely softens up a bit. And once you get past Chris Sale in that rotation, you're having David Price and Rick Porcello and Eduardo Rodriguez, who the Yankees have all historically hit pretty well. And that Boston bullpen, you have Craig Kimball, who's arguably the best reliever in uh, baseball at the moment. Uh, but getting to getting to him has been a problem for Boston. They've been able to overshadow with these top-heavy guys um, some of their flaws in the team. You know, when you look at a team that's that good, you know, it's hard to find a weakness, but it's also, uh, you can kind of, it's kind of a little bit easier to see where the, where the, if you really deep dive a little bit, where the chinks in the armor are. But uh, they're a very top-heavy team. And I think if you're able to concentrate and get the, you know, get the MVP and get those, you know, major guys out that, uh, you know, they're definitely beatable. I'm going on the record right now. Yankees beat the A's. They're beating the Red Sox. 
Yeah. And think, especially Chris Sale, happened. his uh his his last start, his velocity was down. His velocity was he was hitting eighty nine ninety on the gun. If Chris Sale's not Chris Sale, uh the Red Sox are in uh deep trouble come the regardless who they play in the in the division series and the rest of the playoffs because Chris Sale is supposed to be their horse and their number one guy. If he's not right, then that's a, that's a pretty big problem for them. And let's be honest, this is not Chris Sale's typical strong point of the season. He doesn't usually last this long. Nope, he does not. It's, uh, it, it's, it'll be interest, interesting to see if, uh, if they pitch him twice in the, in the ALDS if it comes down to it. Uh, I mean, I guess you have to. You know, if the alternative is David Price or Rick Porcello, so I guess you got to go with the, you know, the lady you took to the dance with you. But uh, you know, sometimes uh, they lose their shoes and in a drunken mess. So uh, that that might be the case with Chris Sale here. Absolutely, and David Price. Who knows? He might get a little blister from Fortnite. We never know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that 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 uh, scared of the scared of the Yankeeitis, the the modern Pedro Martinez, where just just call him the daddy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and go on. So, so. Uh, and like uh, you know, they say on one of those sports pages on Sundays where all the football spreads are, I'm going to say the same thing. If I were a betting man, if I were a betting man, I would be putting money on the Yankees to win the series against the Red Sox if and when they get there. So I'm looking forward to it. Andrew, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Do you have any last words for the SBNY podcast or for this wild card preview? Uh, I mean, I, I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, this this is my first podcast, so uh, hey, I'm happy. Let's go. To, uh, I'm I'm happy to, to to be breaking breaking the seal here with you, my friend. That's it. You brought a lot of great information, and you wrote a fantastic article that is on SportsBlogNewYork.com. So go check that out, and check out more episodes of the SBNY podcast. We're gonna be talking about. A whole lot of football coming up. Obviously, the basketball season is around the corner. We got NBA over-unders on a podcast coming up soon. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode with Andrew Kalanya. My name is Peter Kennedy. This has been a blast. I'll say this on behalf of New York. I don't have that type of power, but I'm doing it anyway. Go Yankees, because baseball is more interesting if the Yankees are in it. Mets fans, don't root against the Yankees in the wild card. If you don't like the Yankees, Mets fans, root against them in the next series. Because if you care about baseball at all, you want the Yankees in it, all right? You just want them in it. Let them, let them lose to the Red Sox if you hate them. I'm not saying you should, but just root for them tomorrow night, and we get Yankees playoff baseball. It'll be exciting, and Yankees fans, have fun. Andrew, to you, enjoy the game, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me so much, and uh, let's go Yankees. That's it, baby. Thanks for listening.